This is Cody Smith, and you're listening to the Virtuous Fitness Podcast. What's going on, you guys, and welcome back to the Virtuous Fitness Podcast. Listen, I've got a great interview planned for you guys today. I actually had the opportunity to sit down with Paul Klinging of Down Dog Athletics. He's also a podcast host. He hosts uh, Mindful Muscle Podcast on iTunes and I'm sure every other platform as well. And what I love about Paul, number one, is that he really puts an emphasis on the mental side of fitness. You guys know that I'm a big fan of like personal development and mindful practice and journaling and meditation and all of these other different things. And Paul, in my opinion, is one of the most intelligent guys in the industry around those things. And today we basically jump into how he applies it inside of his coaching practice with his clients and how he makes them, you know, really come to the realization that it is important and something that needs to be part of your day-to-day life, especially if you're looking to get any sort of results inside of your fitness journey. So today we're going to jump into his story and then how he throws some of those things into his coaching practice. But as always, you guys, I need your help. The way that you can help me will be to first hit pause on this show, head on over to iTunes and leave this show a five-star rating review. That helps us to move up to the charts and to help us to get in front of more people just like yourselves who need to hear this information to grab and, and you know learn along with us as we go through this fitness journey in life, really. And then the second thing you could do would be to take a screenshot on your phone, post it on your Instagram story, and then tag both Paul and I in it. He is at Paul underscore clinging on Instagram, and I am at Coach Cody Smith. You can share that screenshot. Typically, both of us will reshare it on our stories and then connect with you inside of the direct, inside of the DMs as well. So again, leave that five-star rating review, take that screenshot, and then without any further ado, you guys, I'm going to go ahead and get Paul on here. Enjoy this episode. Get out your journal, your your pen, and your pad, your, your notepad, whatever you need to write down some of these lessons, and we're going to jump right into the show. All right, what's up, you guys? Hey, welcome back to the Virtuous Fitness Podcast. I am so fortunate to have my friend Paul on the show today from Down Dog Athletics. Paul and I have, you know, originally kind of met inside of a men's coaching group with uh, my dude Cody McBroom. And uh, over the past few years, he's uh, went out of the group. Now he's back in. He's changed, you know, working from, uh, you were at Barry's for a little bit, correct? Barry's before that. Yeah, did, yeah. Like the corporate stuff. Is that Amazon? Yeah. That, and, and now he's, you know, kind of out on his own doing his own thing and, and, and chasing his dream. So today with Paul on the show, we're going to jump into his story and then, you know, really just see where the wind blows us from there. So, uh, Paul, how you doing today, man? I'm doing good. Thanks for having me on the podcast. I'm uh, glad we're able to connect. Absolutely. Uh, I was actually on Paul's, what was that last week or week before that? And we had the week to... before that. Yeah. That's going to get released this week, oh, which nice. is the last week of March. Nice. And if I you listen to whoever, whenever you're listening to this last week of March. <laughs> yeah. And uh, last week we were actually supposed to hop on the show and life had uh, rolled me over. But uh, fortunate enough, Paul and I were able to connect here. So, uh, Paul, man, number one, I, I love your story. I've heard it a handful of times, both that, you know, the mastermind and, you know, in your shows and stuff like that. But for my audience, I would love if you would, you know, jump into who you are in a nutshell and, and give us a, you know, a rundown on, you know, what's your story, man? Yeah, man, that's a packed nut, right? <laughs> For sure. <laughs> um, so like I said, my name is Paul, uh, founder of Down Dog Athletics. And boy, I mean, really just from a young age, it was cul-de-sac life where you got all your buddies you're playing tennis, baseball, hockey, basketball, 
go routes, football, bikes, like kick the can, like all that. I had a good group of friends. And so sports was just my life growing up. And it was baseball, basketball, football were really the main ones. So three sport athlete in high school. Then in college, uh, I got the opportunity to play at Washington State as a catcher. And that was really kind of, you know, looking back now, today, when I look back, that was really kind of the, the start. It was kind of this like initial switch of what would eventually change the trajectory of what I'm doing now with my life. And just the, the nutshell version, because I grew up playing so many sports, naturally athletic, things always came really easy to me. I didn't lift in high school. I put in kind of the bare minimum that you would at a hitting cage. And I definitely worked on my craft from a catching standpoint. So that, that skill and developing all of that, I did put a lot of effort into, but like at, at the time I didn't really realize how much I needed to work and constantly work to compete at the division one level, especially the pack at the time it was the pack 10, uh, now pack 12 level. But then I got to college and I was like, wow everyone's as strong everyone's stronger than me everyone's faster everyone's just as talented and it was kind of just like that big smack in the face to where like you can't just show up and be good and so for two years i was a role player would come in like for example uh, i remember a, a game down at, in oregon there's a guy that ended up going and playing for the marlins at, at the big league level but i would come in with him as the closer and so it'd be like a three two game i would come in as the closer catcher because I was that good defensively. So imagine just like a little bit, of, little bit of pressure, just a little bit of stress. Yeah. This, partic- this particular game was actually very stressful, yeah. but I would come in and eight innings just in the, in the, in the bullpen. And they're like, all right, Paul, like if, if we get up, you're coming in with Adam and Adam's a left-handed, like side slinger throwing 95. And I'm like, got it. I'm like, I'm good. And that was really my role. I would play like a third of the games and come in. There'd be some games where I'd start, but, in that particular one, it was just really funny because the night before I had gotten, a, uh, not the night before, the week before I had burnt my knee really bad with a heating pack, got a third degree burn that had turned into a staph infection. Oh, shoot. Picture that as a catcher with your knee that you're constantly on, just like swollen. So the first, the first, I think batter gets on, then we get a double play, but it's catcher's interference. Boom. Now all of a sudden there's two people on, nobody out. And like, this is like, just to, to illustrate like how stressful it was coming into that. And then guy gets bunted over, runner on second and third, ground ball to first, make the play at home. We get the third out. Anyway, that night I was at the ER till 4 a.m. getting an IV because my knee was so swollen and I had a huge staph infection with like the line going up the leg and all and all that. And it's just it's just a funny to me looking back story where it's like that was your role to go in and like be in the most like intense moment of the game and, and my legs about to fall off but so just to, to wrap that up after two years i kind of allowed myself to believe that i'd hit my ceiling and keep in mind hadn't really worked out in high school was working out like i was supposed to in college but we all know when you put in decades of training you can grow a lot and now at 30, I realized like how much more I had in the tank to get stronger, get faster, get more explosive, whatnot. But I just allowed myself to believe I hit my ceiling. And after my sophomore year, I was like, hey, coaches, the juice isn't worth the squeeze. I've hit my ceiling. I'm never going to get better. You know, I think I want to hang it up. And they're like, oh, wow. Like they were going to send me to Calgary for a um, for summer ball in college. You go to 
random leagues in the summer and just play all year round. And so I was, I was going to be headed to Calgary and they're like, no, I guess not. Like you're quitting. And so that was it. I was like, all right, I'm going to chase girls, play video games and do like kind of the college thing. Cause I was like, that's what I want. That's what I need. And it's just like looking back, that's a situation where I fell short. And that's been a big mission of mine where I'm like, man, I really don't want anyone to ever have to run into that issue again. I, I really struggled a lot especially my sophomore year with performance anxiety. Have you ever heard of the yips? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I mean, I'm sure but you can go into it with further listeners here so they can hear. Yeah. About it. So the yips, there's Google it. It's a really funny, but also really sad, essentially that cognitive thing where you just can't do what you tip, like you've done a million times. Like there's videos of catchers that can't throw it back to the pitcher. And then a guy from third scores because he throws it over his head, like a little 60 foot throw. And I had the yips so bad that in every single warm up. I would airmail it over the third baseman's head when we did like the throwing it around the bases. So sure. I always had a second ball in my pocket because I knew that third, that one was going way over his head. Make that I've made that throw a million times. I can make it right now, but like there's an example of that. Like anytime I got into the batter's box, anytime there was those high pressure situations, like I just had so much anxiety, couldn't get out of it. And I was never able to just like play, enjoy baseball. And looking back now, I'm like, Oh, well you put in the work that's going to, alleviate a lot of the anxiety and then just rename the anxiety to excitement sure yeah you might be nervous but it's just i hadn't put in the work to believe that i was prepared for that situation or those situations it's funny you talk about that a little bit to just to kind of throw something in on top of that so you mentioned like the yips right this you know last year prior to like covid starting i was actually uh (laughs) kind of forced into this position with my son's like traveling baseball team one of the coaches had bought a house down in Texas and was like, hey, I'm going to – you guys got the team, right? Me and the assistant coach were like, wait, what? Like, he had, I was actually the third coach that they had asked to come on and to help coach. I hadn't, I mean, played baseball. I mean, I played baseball in high school, but I hadn't coached baseball in any capacity. I literally said that I would help because they were, you know, doing their practices at my gym at night because we were a big facility and they could do, like, you know, wiffle ball work and drills and stuff like that. So I agreed to it just more or less because – I could help from like a strength conditioning standpoint, but I was very out of practice from like a baseball skills and drills and like leading a team. And then this guy ended up moving to Texas and handing this team to the assistant coach and I, and then, you know, fast forward, you know, we're just still prior to COVID we're practicing at this place called the yard over here in, uh, in, uh, gosh, I'm escaping me from uh, Bremerton, like Belfair area, but it's like out in the sticks. I don't know if you're familiar with it or not, but it's this big indoor facility and the, uh, one of the other could the other assistant coach that day couldn't make it in so i'm running practice i'm the, i'm like the assistant's assistant and i'm now going to have to run practice with all these high level you know youth baseball players and all these parents that are already passing judgments and stuff like that and i'm and i'm throwing bp to this one kid and i literally couldn't throw a strike mind yeah. you i pitched from like 8 years old all the way up but uh, you know when you talk about like anxiety and pressure and stuff like that I felt probably the most pressure as a, a youth, you know, sports coach and dad already had imposter syndrome, already struggling with like the anxiety of leading this team. But I, I literally couldn't throw. I had to get another kid to come and throw BP because I couldn't throw it across. So I was like hitting kids. Uh, and eventually I was like, look, I don't know what's going on with me today, but I'm going to have to not throw BP. I'm just going to walk around. And um, it's so funny that like, you know, now you're, you're obviously you're putting like a name to it. It makes sense for me uh, of like why I was kind of like, you know, essentially choking uh, at that time. 
Yeah. And it, it happens in so many other sports. It could be like a free throw and you're just like, why can't I do this? I've done this mm-hmm. so many times, but then as soon as it happens, now it's in your head and now you can't get out of that just like spiral. Mm-hmm. And it's funny. We worked with a, uh, a mental performance coach by the name of Brian Kane. Have you heard of him? Mm-mm, mm-mm. He, he came to, he became really popular working with George St. Pierre. Um, I forget what like welterweight or something, um, in the UFC or something, but, um, so we, like, we were working with this mental performance coach too. And like, that was the year in which my performance anxiety was the worst. And it's not to attribute it to him. There's actually a lot of things I took away from working with him, but that was that for me, when I look back is like, man, like there's so much just from the mental side, the anxiety side that can affect performance and, and not even getting into when I talk about what you believe you're capable of, because that was a story that was writing itself. And so I just like to start with that because that kind of frames what I believed I was capable of post-college. And then like as from an athletic standpoint, from a career standpoint, from a dating standpoint, right? You look at the warrior's way. It's like, what, what do you, what do you believe you're worth in, in all these different areas? And I just was in this loop where I'm like, Oh, like this will be a good job. Like I can stay here for a while. And I, but at the, at the same time, I also recognized that I, I was capable of more and I was frustrated that I couldn't achieve more. Like I always, I always had like the last 10 pounds that I could just never lose. And it's funny, I'm, I'm rereading Turning Pro and there's just a lot of addict tendencies that I had and I just couldn't figure out really what to do and how to make that switch. And it was funny when I was in Portland, there's a guy I played baseball with living there. And he's like, dude, you got to go to yoga. There's tons of babes there. Like, oh. <laughs> babes. Girls? Stretching? Okay. <laughs> babes. You mean babes? And so we go and it's, and it's not even like yoga. It's just like a, a hit class in in. 110 million degree heat with a thousand humidity and like you just sweat a ton and do a couple down dogs but it was at that time i was like oh like here's this big challenging physical activity that i can do and so then i move up to seattle get a job at amazon and i, I just start going every single day while also lifting so i'm kind of doing like two days and this is really like still at the infancy time where i'm like carbs are bad um you know Basu ball pushups are like the ticket to gaining maximal strength and stability. Uh, but at the same time, I'm just like, okay, like I'm starting to, f- I'm getting leaner. I'm feeling stronger. I'm having better core strength. And part of what was happening there was as I started getting more in touch with my body, slowing down, spending more time, maybe meditating, I was starting to recognize like, wow, like there's a lot of things that I do on the weekends or on a daily basis that are really holding me back physically. So I started to, to shake some of those. Like I, I did a month of no drinking. I remember I was like, wow, like there goes the last 15 pounds I've been trying to lose for the last seven years. Um, but more importantly, it was a time where I was really able to slow down and, and that was, it was in a yoga class where I looked in the mirror and I was like, wow, I quit baseball because like I didn't want to put in the work. And for me, that was like this kind of hit punch to the gut because I, for a while, bought into the, the story that what's the point of, of waking up at 5 a.m. and lifting and, and being a student athlete and, and kind of having the opportunity to play occasionally when you're, you know, you've hit your ceiling, like what's the point? And so it's funny, like every single month, I'd say I have like one or two dreams where I can't find my glove or I'm like late to batting practice. I'm like, oh, like this is my chance. Like I'm going to get in like extra reps. I'm going to, you know. Like this is my chance to, to play again. And just to, to wrap up the, the yoga part, it's like, I 
started meditating more, getting really introspective and really just kind of starting to question things. I started working with a life coach. Um, and it was in like this, what was it? I would say I started doing yoga in September, 2017 with my life coach. I was like, Hey, I think I want to be a personal trainer and make some side money. That, that certification came in January, 2018 by August, 2018, I was able to quit my job at Amazon because I was training 30 hours a week. And it's like this kind of just like 180 in how I approached what I was capable of this 180 and how I approached really like life. And keep in mind, like there was still a lot of room to grow, but looking back now, I'm like, wow, like I would talk to my life coach. I would meditate. I would hang out with like one or two people that were really close friends, but a lot of people I kind of cut out I'd listen to Andy Frisella's MF CEO podcast. Great show. And, and I would read. And so it's like, you, you, you get the, you hear the saying, you're the five people that you surround yourself with. And it's like surrounding myself with a badass life coach, like badass books. Andy Frisella, a couple close friends and like meditation. Like it, it's, a, it was a recipe for me to kind of like have this renaissance of what I wanted to do with my life. So I went from working in tech sales and advertising at Amazon to like, oh, I'm going to quit, give all that up so that I can chase this passion that I have around helping people be healthy. And at the time, I was I identified as a yogi and as an athlete. So that's where the name Down Dog Athletics came from. And since then, it's been about three years where it's just kind of evolved where yoga is now a part of what I would say and put into mindfulness where it's really like these practices of meditation, of journaling, of breath work, mindful movement like yoga can definitely be transformative. But then there's also like the athlete side and the get after it side. And when I look at what I'm trying to like articulate with down dog athletics, it's really the yin and the yang to the two approaches to health. And I knowing too, how big mental health was for me. And that if I had had the perspective or the tools to recognize what was going on at 18, 19 years old, perhaps, you know, I'm able to still play. Perhaps I get drafted. Perhaps there's a longer story to my baseball career. So when I talk about that being a big passion and that being a big why, at some point in my life, I'll focus a lot of my business, my time, my energy on, on going and talking to high school, college kids and being like, and I've done this to a degree on the podcast and in different interviews and stuff, but talking to like, Hey, just because you're really struggling and COVID is a great example. I've talked to a lot of individual like athletes who are like, Hey, like, I don't know if I should keep playing. They'll, they'll hear my story. And I'm like, COVID is the, the least normal situation ever. Don't throw it all away because you had this one crazy year. And so that's just something I'm really passionate about it and helping people realize like, Hey, there's more get the, whether it's help or use the tools that you need to get your mind right so that you can go and be the best athlete, the best coach, the best dad, the best warrior, like whatever you're trying to be. Right. And it's really this, this spectrum that I, I look at things like, it's like, if I sprain my ankle, I see a physical therapist to get me back to performing better. If I, you know, have some sort of anxiety or like kind of like a, like maybe call it a traumatic situation to where like, all right, I got to get my mind right. Maybe you work with a therapist a mind therapist or a coach or a mentor to get your mind right so that you can get back to performing better. And it's the spectrum of like, you might have a traumatic leg injury, you rehab to get back to being Kobe Bryant. 
like he, he tore his Achilles. You might have a traumatic event or something that messes you up mentally. You work and do the work to get you back to having Mamba mentality. And it's always this spectrum to where you're trying to continue to get better at. But that's just how I look at health, how I look at fitness. And when I talk to people about down dog athletics, or I, I run a coaching group now, we call it mindful muscle. It's like, Hey, let's be good at both. Let's work on both so that you can then become the best version of yourself. I love that too, because I, I think for a lot of people, when you start talking to them about mental health and it's play with like, when it comes to fitness, most people kind of glaze over, right? And you may experience this a ton when you're talking with people and you're, you know, you're trying to teach them things like uh, mindfulness, uh, meditation, journaling, and, and I'm sure as you're going into them and from what I've seen with my coaching practice is a lot of people at first do not see the value in that. Whereas like for me, a quote that always has stuck with me is that if you change your stories, you can change your life, right? And, and obviously your stories are greatly tied to like your, your mental health and the, the way that you view the world and the way that you view yourself. For you, like how do you get people interested in the mental side of this whole fitness thing, right? Because I, I personally love it. Ever since I met you, I've always loved that, you know, you combine the things like yoga and um, mental health. And, but yet you, because usually I've seen with people that'll bias like mental health or like the mental side of things, they don't really pay, in my opinion, enough attention to the fitness side. And like, yeah, you should totally get after it sometimes. Whereas like you've always, you, I find that you've blended those things very well. For you, when it comes to the mental side of coaching people in fitness, like what are some ways that you kind of get people excited about it or, you know, show them the value, you know, without them having to jump headfirst into it? Yeah. Well, and that's a really good perspective is like, don't jump headfirst into it because it's kind of this like way too much, yeah. too fast. Completely overwhelmed. And, and the, my approach to yoga is a great example of this where I'm like, all right, I'll get more flexible and I'll, I'll find a girlfriend. And you, you often hear like the body is the path to power. Well, for me, it's like get people moving, get people maybe slowing down. Like after any time I train someone, I, I, you know, we'll have them do their, their legs up parasympathetic breathing. I'm like, Hey, this is something that's really important. Or anytime, um, you know, I'm, I'm coaching someone like, Hey, they're like, I need you to sleep a little bit more. I need you to be more mindful about what you're eating. It's like, Hey, this, this is a tool that you can use. And so kind of tie it back to the stuff that they do and stuff that they like and introduce that to them in like smaller doses. And I'll, I'll be transparent too. Like I'm not, I'm by no means like doing super deep transcendent meditative spiritual work. I think there's totally value to that and something that if an individual wants to explore, I'm all about it because there's been different degrees of that. So it's helped me, but I kind of look at it as more like, a, I'm like, a, I want to be a gateway drug to that, to where like, Hey, you, you start doing this and recognize how helpful it can be. If you want to go and explore that yin side of the yang or that spiritual side or that mental side, great. There's a lot there to explore. But at the same time, I also want to encourage people like get after it, do the hard work. And, and the, the new analogy I'm starting to come up with and use a lot is like being like Yoda and Thor to where I want to help people expand their ability to go be Yoda-like, really meditative, slow, introspective, think about it like not necessarily passive, but like, like maybe not being quick to anger while also at the same time, having the ability to just go and hammer folks or hammer the weights or really like get after it and, and have that warrior side. Or for me, it's like that athlete side to them. Um, and so coming back around to your question around like how you introduce it to people, I like to 
shared is like, hey, this is going to help you be better at the thing that you really want to be good at, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. I love that too, because again, like a lot of times your ceiling is limited by these like little, you know, tiny uh, doors, if you will, swinging, right? Like we need to like open some of these things so that, you know, a lot for me, I know that in my entrepreneurial career or my business or any of those things, like, you know, you've talked about like your personal development journey and how you surrounded yourself with just stuff that was positive and stuff that was uplifting. Um, You know, I was talking to a client the other day and, you know, he was really struggling. He was just kind of like, I can't get out of my way. Like work's really stressing me out. I don't really feel like training and stuff like that. And I was like, well, what good do you put in? He's like, well, He's like, you know, every once in a while I'll read like a military book just to, you know, get pumped up. And I was like, what, you know, what, what positive like personal development do you watch? Any YouTube videos you listen to podcasting? Are you reading anything? And I was like, for me, it's something when I, when it comes to like the mental side or the mental health side, there's, you can very easily find something negative. You could very easily find something that is challenging in your life. But for me, I know that I had to combat that, which is this constant flow of like, educational information or personal development and you know just like you like I moved to Washington a number of years ago and it was like me in my garage and I was a stay-at-home house dad right like I'm wearing the apron I'm like you know getting the house ready for the wife when she got home from work and I I found a lot of time on my hands and and I kind of got into this negative headspace but for me I had to start putting things in that you know showed me the the value in them and showed me that I can do more and that I can be more and it didn't happen fast at first. Like you said, it's like these little small things like, hey, breath work. Hey, sit quiet for five minutes. Hey, read 10 pages. Hey, listen to a podcast for 20 minutes. And all these things just kind of, you know, compounded. So I really shared with this guy. I was like, look, let's pick one thing and let's just do it a couple times a week. And let's see how we feel on the other side of it. What do you have to lose? And uh, for me, that was kind of one of these big things that like allowed me to show him the value in like, hey, like, we're not going to make these huge changes, especially when it comes to the mental side of things. Let's just start to improve it a little bit. Um, so to kind of bridge that into a question, you mentioned a, a couple of different tactics that you could, you know, that you personally use with people. For a person listening to this that doesn't spend any time on their mental health, they're just going to the gym, they're working out, they're, they're doing the get after it side all the time. What are like, you know, one, two, maybe even three things that you would recommend like, hey, you want to start paying attention to your mental health. You want to start adding some of the mental component into this fitness thing. Implement, you know, X, Y, Z. Like what are those few things that you would start with a person? Yeah, absolutely. The way I like to frame it is maybe there's like a coach, right? Whether you're coach of a baseball team or coaching like what the workout's going to be, you're going to have a game plan. So that game plan is going to be like, all right, we're going to visualize, like, here's what it is that we're working towards. We're going to work on this. So it's going to get us better at this. So the one component is visualization. Then there's the execution. And I call it the present moment or grounding and getting really rooted in like the here and now that present moment that so many people are never in. That's why I love podcasting Mm because it's like, I'm always so present with it. And then the other side is reflection. And so when you're looking at like, all right, whether I'm going to journal, whether I'm going to meditate, Maybe I'm just trying to talk to someone like take time to reflect, take time to ground and take time to visualize within those are different things that you can do. So the reflection, you might do a fear journal. I don't know if you've read Tim Ferriss's uh, four hour work week, but it's a, it's a journal practice where like you, you take time to write out like, all right, I'm afraid of these, 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 and these things happening, which is why like, I'm not quitting my job or which is why I'm not asking this person out. And then you just write like, all right, what's the percentage of 
that actually happening? Oh, wow, it's 5%. Well, if that does happen, what's my strategy to get back to homeostasis or to get back to like recovering from whatever it is that I'm really afraid of? And so it's just kind of visualizing and putting your thoughts and being able to make them tangible. And then they don't seem as, as scary. I, I went through this practice with my, um, with my girlfriend the other day, where it's just like so many things going on in the mind and a ton of anxiety and just being like, all right, let's write these six to 10 things down there or like spin in your mind for a wheel and just say like, all right, let's break it up. Can you do anything about these? And then slide some over into that. If you can do something about it, do you want to, or can you do something about it now? And if the answer is no, you slide into that bucket. And then there's like, all right, can I do something about this right now? If the answer is yes, then what's the strategy to go and do that? And so then you take these, these 10 things that are giving you anxiety and you bucket into, I can't control this. I can control this, but not right now. And this is something that I can act on. So that would be like a good reflection technique where you're looking back and, and people do this all the time. Where it's like, how did the day go? How did practice go? How did my workout go? Just being introspective and reflective. Then grounding, there's a few different ways where I would say getting really present in what you where you are currently or what you have now. A gratitude practice is what you have in the present moment. And so if you don't, if you're feeling like, oh, everything around me sucks, just take some time to train your brain to go and look for everything that is great about right now, because positivity or negativity is always going to be a self-fulfilling prophecy. You can also just take the approach of like, all right, I'm going to have a mantra that I say to myself throughout the day, or I'm going to have an affirmation that I say to myself. And it's, it's, I am this in this moment, I am, you know, right where I need to be. I am a great coach. I am a great athlete. And you can be a little bit more descriptive in it and not be like, I am happy. Like, right. They don't, you don't want to be cheesy about it. A mantra that my client used that I really like is I did the impossible yesterday. So if you've never squatted 300 and then you squat 300, well, that was impossible two months ago. So why is it not possible that you can't squat 310? So that can be in a mantra that you're just constantly using to bring your, bring yourself back to the present moment. Breathing techniques, another great, great way to say, all right, like my breath's happening here. Now you can use box breathing, uh, different parasympathetic breathing ratio. So anything that's going to give you a longer exhale than inhale. So four, six, four second, inhale, six second, exhale. It's going to stimulate the parasympathetic, get you more relaxed present moment. Anxiety, I like to say is always going to be in the future. Depression is going to be looking back. So if you can just get focused in on the present, that's a really good strategy. And then visualization, there's a couple that I'll do. One is visualize success. So it's like visualize yourself, like seeing success, getting that hit, you know, hitting that, that, that deadlift or visualize yourself failing. And the angle with this is I had a surgeon on my podcast and he's like, I will visualize myself he's a brain surgeon, which is kind of, kind of scary, but he's like, I'll visualize myself making a mistake or something goes wrong because too often we visualize everything going great, but then we don't have a contingency plan. And so you're visualizing like, all right, my, my spouse yells at me and I want to just scream back, but I'm going to visualize how I'm going to respond and what my plan is when things don't go great. And so like, that's how you can really kind of dive into those. It's like, it, it will reflection benefit me now? Will being present benefit me now? Or will visualization benefit me now? And there's days where I'll go through all three in my meditation or journaling. And there's days where I'm just like, man, I just need to knock this one out right now because that's what I really need. 
I like all those two because th there were three things that came to mind as you were kind of going through that. And the first one I'll kind of talk about was like, you, you mentioned like when things come along, like writing out a plan for them essentially, right? Like getting them out of your mind and then onto paper, a physical representation of your thoughts, right? Because if, if you're, a lot of times, most people just kind of don't even pay attention to the thoughts that run through their mind, right? But when you get it out of your head and on the paper, it really changes everything. And uh, a few weeks ago, my wife and I are riding down the street. We're, we're on the way to the gym. It's like our Sunday husband-wife workout that we, we do from time to time. And kids stay home. We go and kind of do our own thing. But on the way there, for some reason, she, like, gets into reading horoscopes. And one of the horoscopes about Virgo, you know, she's going through and she's reading these things and she's reading through some of the horoscopes and she lands on mine. I'm a Virgo. And one of the bullets that really stuck out to me and it really kind of it's kind of trippy for me because I'm not a big horoscope believer, even though this particular day it was like spot on. Uh, but one of the things was like, you know, this a, a Virgo takes a systematic approach to everything in life. Right. And it's for me is like literally everything. If I'm going to do, you know, I want to achieve X, I'm going to write out a plan on paper. I'm going to have step one, step two, step three, step four. And I'm just going to start, you know, knocking those things out. And for me, like that has been one of the most beneficial things I've ever done is to take a systematic approach to everything, to, to write things down, to get things out of my head and to, you know, continue to push towards those things. And I've used that with clients recently who are just kind of in this, you know, you know, spiral, if you will, to where they can't pull themselves out of some of these negative mindsets. And I'm like, look, I want you to write down when your thoughts every single morning, I want you to, you know, send me a check mark and a text message when you're done. And, you know, I just recently used it with a, a client of mine and she is completely changed. We did like a 30 day challenge. I was like, you're going to journal every day for 10 minutes. Um, that's probably going to be a whole page and you're going to send me a check mark and a text message when you're done. And at the end of that 30 days, this transformation that this uh, lady received was insane because she had went from this person that was extremely negative all the time to writing her thoughts down on paper. And then eventually we moved into like, you're going to write something nice about yourself every single day. And she was like, oh my God, the first time she did it, she was like, I don't even know the last time that I've said something nice about myself. I, I only talk negative. And just those little small things, right? Because they never happen. It's never like, oh, I journal one time, I'm good. I wrote something down one time, I'm good. It's like the culmination of all these things coming together. Uh, and then to kind of hit on visualization a little bit, I, I did 75 hard last year. I'd rolled into this thing called uh, phase one, which is like the 30 days after. And one of the, out of all those things that you do in phase one, two of the new things that you add in was like take a cold shower and visualize, do visualization for 10 minutes. I've, I've been into meditation off and on for the past several years and I get a ton of benefit out of it, but I've never done like straight visualization to where I'm thinking about things. And uh, for me, like I visualized a couple things every single day for 30 days. And, you know, as of last week, I was able to, you know, achieve those things. And for me, it was crazy to actually like think through how I would handle situations to make sure that I get to where I wanted to go. Um, so those were huge, you know, huge, paid huge dividends for me in my life. Um, and, and I love that you kind of jumped into those because it's such a huge deal. For you with gratitude, though, I find some people, that's a very... For some people, that can be very, like, frou-frou, right? Like, they hear it and they're like, oh, gratitude, huh? Everybody talks about gratitude. For you to get people to, to realize the value in it, what are, you know, some of the things that they work through? Is it just maybe saying something nice to somebody, sending, the, you know, a supportive text message of gratitude? Is it writing in a journal? Is it just, um, you know, maybe sending a reminder to themselves? Like, how are some of the ways that you institute, like, paying gratitude into a client's journey or into a client's day-to-day? 
Yeah. And I agree. It can totally be this frou-frou thing where people are like, oh, I'm happy for my dog. I'm happy for my bananas. I'm happy <laughs> yeah. for my books. I'm happy for my trident gum. And like, these are just things yeah, yeah, that yeah, are yeah. around me. Um, but it becomes really powerful when you start to be grateful for the shit that hits the fan. And an example of this is, uh, you know, I was coaching a guy that was running a marathon <clears throat> and something that I did when I ran a half marathon was every time I hit a hill, I would say good out loud. Um, uh, and it comes from the, the Jocko YouTube video where he's just saying, good. Like we, we lose a million dollars, like good. Now we can make two, like whatever he says in it. Yeah. Uh, I'm sure you've seen it, but I would take this approach of like, every time I hit a hill, I'm like, good. This is an opportunity to get ahead of everyone else because everyone else is going to slow down. And so what I worked on this specific client was, was like every time he like doubted himself on whether he was going to finish the marathon or every time he started to feel tired or every time, you know, something bad would happen. I was just like, Hey, like remind yourself, like, this is good. Like the, the reason why you're, you're doubting yourself is it is good because when you get past that, now, the next time you doubt yourself, you're going to have evidence for, for why you can do something when your legs hurting you and you say, good. Now you're like, you know, you're, you could not have a leg. You're like, all right, like my legs working. I'm aware of it. Like yeah. it's, it's connected to my body. And so you definitely, it's kind of what I was talking about earlier to where if you, if you look for the negative, it's always going to be there. If you look for the positive, it's always going to be there. And it really is not to be cheesy, but it's like attitude or gratitude, attitude of gratitude or whatever, where it's mm-hmm. just like your attitude and your perspective on everything today is kind of just like a regular day. But one of my friends that uh they run a company called live better code their motto is best day ever and it's like every day is the best day ever one because tomorrow's not guaranteed two because like what other choice do you have is today going to be a shitty day and you're not going to get anything done it's like no it's the best day ever i'll give you one last one uh i listened to a podcast with sean white's uh snowboarding coach and before sean white would go and do any kind of competition he would do what they called a gratitude rampage where they just like I love my snowboard. I love my like my hat. I love my <laughs> goggles. I love this half pipe. And just taking the perspective of like, this is everything is sick. I'm so pumped to have the opportunity just to do whatever it is that I'm doing. And so, yeah, you do got to buy into it a little bit more. But if you if you take the perspective of like, everything can be good. And don't get me wrong, there's some things that are super shitty, but you always have the opportunity to be like, good, this is a lesson. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of how I try and approach gratitude versus being like, everything's amazing because that's one of the biggest lies you can tell yourself. It's like sure. every, everything sucks, which is great because that gives contrast and value to the things that are amazing. I always try to think like, what's good about it, right? Like, yeah. you, you, like we, we learned it, Paul and I, you, you know, we've learned this a long time ago, the, the positive focus or like, what's the lesson? What's good about it, you know? Why is this positive? Those are things that I've used um, to kind of stay on top of those things too. Now, I've got kind of like a side question to continue on this like gratitude conversation. I've found for me personally that gratitude is a, it's almost like a horizon, right? And, and, and I'll kind of explain what I mean by that is like, when I say horizon, it means that sometimes like when I'm grateful about a thing, and I've seen this with clients too, oftentimes that same gratitude that maybe I used before to kind of pick myself up doesn't have the same the same weight when I try to use it later, right? Like it doesn't provide me with that same fulfillment. 
So usually when I share with people now, when we're talking about gratitude is that it's very similar to a horizon. Like I spent, you know, a couple of years in the Navy when we're on deployment, you know, we're out and we're cruising on the ocean and I'm looking at this horizon, right? But we never really get anywhere, obviously, until we get to land. But when I'm looking at the horizon, that horizon always changes. So I'm curious what you think about with, with that whole mindset of like, maybe when I'm searching for gratitude, a lot of times that thing that provided me that fulfillment once I reach that horizon there's just a new one right so you know how do you teach people about that and what are your thoughts on kind of that thought uh, or kind of that mindset of like gratitude changes and doesn't have the same fulfillment but to keep moving with it yeah totally a visualization or metaphor that I really like to think about or use is like if you're having a really good cut of steak or a really good ice cream like you're so grateful for that bite that's in your mouth that you're currently like sure. putting down, but you're just like, I can't wait for the next one. And to your point, it's like you, it kind of loses its power. If you're like, Oh, I'm grateful for like my phone. And then the next day it's like, Oh, I'm not as grateful for it. But I do think that there's like this healthy balance between wanting more, right? Cause you're grateful for what you have in the present moment, but you can also want more. And so it's it, in a way you can flip it towards like, I'm grateful for the opportunity to get more or to keep growing or to keep like, if, if you have a good situation now, it's like, I'm grateful for the opportunity to build on this because then kind of like the horizon that's like to build, like you're always building. It's never like a done finished complete project. Yeah. I like that a lot. Uh, so I want to change gears a little bit. So I've sat back and watched your journey over the past few years. And, you know, when I met you, you were doing yoga, you were, you know, working at a boot camp facility, and then you kind of broke away. And then you spent some time uh, being a solo guy and doing online stuff. And then you, but on top of that, you were also, you know, training off and on for different things. You mentioned marathon, there's pictures of you on social media of you putting on an insane amount of muscle. So I've been like super fascinated with your just openness to all types of training. Number one, where does that come from to where like you're really, nothing's off the table. I know you've messed around and dabbled a little bit with like functional bodybuilding stuff. You've done pure strength training, resistance training with, you know, Jeremiah and, and all these different things, yoga. Where does that fascination with all these different training modalities come from? And then what are you currently doing uh, for your training now? And, and, you know, some of your philosophies around that. Yeah. Um, I, three years ago, I was, I was at Amazon. Yeah. Like full transparency, like I am as novice and as rookie as it gets in, in the fitness landscape. That's not to say that I haven't tried to learn a lot, whether it's through reading or, or learning from mentors like you, like Cody. One of, one of my approaches has always been like, who's, who's the person, who's someone that I can actually get close to that's very high up in the industry. Like there's certain people, like I can't get close to Tony Robbins, but like who's someone that is, has learned a lot and has grown a lot and could help me grow and learn in that who is available for me to get close to in the form of a mentorship that either I can afford or that they'll let me in. And so I think that definitely has helped one quote. I don't know if it was a quote or just kind of like a perspective that I really like from Eric Cressy was like at the beginning, it's really good to be a generalist in a lot of things so that when you do specialize, you know, enough to call out BS in another area. So if I had never done yoga and then someone comes and says like, Oh, if you twist, it'll wring out your toxins. And like, I, I just don't know enough about it. I can't say no, but having been in that, I can be like, that's, that's bullshit. You have a liver <laughs> that's going to clean out your toxins. Right. right? right. Um, 
you know, it, or, or, or even just being able to relate to people, I think is, is initially where like so far it's, it, there has been a lot of different things, but now I can go and someone's like, Hey, yeah, I, I do soul cycle. And it's like, I've never gotten into soul cycle, but at least I know enough about the boot camp fitness, like taking classes world to be able to say like, Hey, yeah, that like, that's a really good thing that you're, you're moving, you're, you're sweating, you got community. Here's some other things that it might be missing. And so like, now I feel like I can do that with yoga. It's like, there's so many good things about that. Here's where you can supplement with that. You ride a Peloton every day. That's great. Here's some things you can do to supplement with that. And it's, it's constantly been this journey of being like, all right, like this is something interesting. Let me go and explore that. Let me learn about it. And then what I like about it, I can take with me. What I don't like about it, I can leave. And then to your point last year, never ran a marathon. It was something that I said I would never do. It scared me. And so I was like, well, it scares me. So I know I need to do that. So for four months, I trained for a marathon and ran a 257, which is a 647 pace. I've, I've always been kind of like a, a long distance engine kind of guy, yeah. but I didn't realize like how uh, well I could do if I applied myself. And so for, for four months, I did that. And then I was like, man, I'm like this skinny little bean. I felt like a total noodle afterwards. I think I was like 177. Uh, and definitely not all muscle, but I could run. And then I was like, Hey, Jeremiah, I want to basically get as close to Thor and Captain America as possible. And so I just like, all right, performance focused. And now I'm like, I want aesthetics to the max. Like that's been the focus. So I put on 20 plus pounds. I'm hoping that, I mean, I know a lot of it was muscle, but you know, you put on that weight and you're just like, man, like I'm huge. I, I never thought I would be 200 pounds. My girlfriend was like, you can't get 200 pounds. Like that's not possible. I'm like, Oh, it's possible. As I had like my second Chipotle burrito <laughs> and my third protein shake at 8 PM. And like, once I hit it, I was like, wow, this is really cool. Like there's NFL running backs that are six foot, 200 pounds. I'm just a little bit slower. Yeah. Uh, but then now I'm like, I'm cutting and I'm, I'm learning all that. And it's all very hypertrophy based. And that's been a really cool thing to learn where, you know, the, 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 tension that I'm trying to create and the muscle damage and the pump and having that trump. And I'm like, Hey, I'm like, Jeremiah, when are we going to do like deadlifts? And he's like, you're trying to get big dude. You're not, or yeah, you're trying to like build the muscle. You're not trying to just like do deadlifts and just get strong in the, the three rep range as much as I want to try and do that. And so just learning and like kind of diving into that. And I imagine once I finish getting really lean, I'll do some sort of strength focus block or powerlifting block or just something that is a little bit different that way I can go and kind of explore that. And to a degree, yeah, I definitely will need to, I not even need to, I will want to, to niche and be like, this is what I really like. This is what I really believe in. I think functional bodybuilding does make a lot of sense. I want to move really well, be an athlete while also, you know, you look at like the injury rate payoff and it's like, okay, like most of my clients are, are never really going to get injured because we're just focusing on, on functional movements. That's not to say that something like a, a, a power clean doesn't have a lot of value. I'll do that with clients who want to like be better athletes. Maybe I have a guy who played volleyball this weekend. He's like, Hey, I want to like, I want to jump higher. I'm like, all right, cool. Let's change the style of training. Like functional bodybuilding probably doesn't make a lot of sense for you. But the, the one last thing that I'll say is even in my approach of like down dog athletics or like having a yin and a yang, it's all about being very adaptable. And so I really like the, the process of being like, I'm not just like a big, strong, bulky dude. 
I can also go run eight miles if I need to. I'm not just like this little wet noodle that can run all day, but can't like lift a, I'll say I'll lift a car. I can't lift a car, but you know, like go and save someone's life because I'm able to, to lift. And so it's, I think as Jason Phillips talks about, I'm sure a lot of people do, but talk about this triangle of like longevity, performance, and aesthetics. As much as you can't go and achieve all of those at once, like I want to be a well-rounded athlete. So whether you ask me to go play golf or playing flag football with the guys after Thanksgiving, or my girlfriend wants me to run a half marathon with her, like I'm not out of water and feeling just like a total nerd. Yeah. I like that a lot too. That's very similar to how I pretty much approach my personal training too. Like it's, you know, a blend of getting strong, a blend of building muscle. I, I still enjoy a good CrossFit workout every now and then because of the mental, like the mental push, right? Like the, the getting after it, if you will. And, and it's, and it's funny because a few weeks ago, somebody asked me like, Hey man, like what's your, what's your style of training? Like what, you know, what would you say your philosophy is? And, and it was really funny. Cause I was like, I'm like the Bruce Lee of fitness. And you know, there was just kind of, there was some humor to that, but in reality it was like, for me, and really my opinion, any coach, there's, there shouldn't be anything off the table, right? Because if you want to make sure that you're getting your client where they want to go, you should probably have a good understanding enough to, to, to be able to prescribe really anything. And I, and I love for you that you're, uh, you're almost taking this Tim Ferriss approach to where like, you know, he talks about, he's got these shelves in his offices of like journals of, you know, when he did certain things in fitness and he's, been ultimately his own test subject for years and years and years and 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 really i think that's a mark of a quality coach i think it's a mark of a a well-rounded person in fitness because you're right like i heard this quote a long time ago from uh and he talks about like you know trying to be harder to kill right like especially now with the craziness in life is like i want to be the most resilient person possible both from a self-defense standpoint from a training standpoint i want to be able to do it whatever it is and do it for as long as humanly possible. And uh, for me, that's been, you know, extremely beneficial. And, uh, you know, it helps the clients to get them where they want to go to. Um, totally. And just that that sure. perspective of being harder to kill, my personal lens is, all right, if you can be more mindful and slow down that internal, like, fear, like, fear or fight or flight reactive system, mm-hmm. And, and be able to be like, okay, like, here's how I'm going to react or here's, how I'm going to respond versus react. Like for me, that's being harder to kill because sometimes like, I don't want to go and fight the bum with a knife. I need to be able to like, like breathe, like, all right, how am I going to get out of this? Maybe diplomatically, don't get yeah. me wrong. Sure. You, there's a lot of other things that are important to be harder to kill. And, and you can't diplomatically do that. Maybe on like a battlefield. Yeah. Um, but if you, if you're around me enough, you'll know that I, I really love star Wars and, and, model a lot of perspectives off of not just the Sith, but the Jedi, but one of the, the things that they'll, they'll say in the movie is only a Sith deal in absolutes. So from someone with a training perspective, like this is the absolute best diet. This is the absolute best training like style. I'm like, it's kind of like a Sith quality. Like it's kind of a dangerous approach to be like really dogmatic that way. Mm-hmm. Where at the same time, like you look at in the movie, like it's not always about just going and like, shoving a lightsaber in someone sometimes you got to diffuse the situation as like a calm jedi so just a another little spin on that a little, ap- little color for you i always appreciate your star wars analogies i feel like you anytime we've ever been in a conversation i'm pretty sure you made one when uh 
I was on your show too. Uh, for me, it's interesting to see you tie that in because that's definitely like a life lesson, right? Like in absolutes, like speaking in absolutes, training in absolutes. Like really, I find that, um, you know, Cody said a number of years ago, like it depends is pretty much the answer for everything. And that's yeah. probably been one of the most true things I've ever experienced. Um, so, you know, moving forward, like what's, you know, what's next for you, what's up and coming, you know, for your, your, your own training, for your coaching practice, your business, like what are, what are some things that you're kind of working on now as we're moving forward? Yeah. I mean, that's, that's the exciting thing is as things are, you know, I'm in Seattle, so things are starting to open up and now it's like, all right, people are, are more open to, to doing things personally. I'll, I'll continue getting, getting lean till probably about July. Like we'll call it photo shoot ready. And then I've got this obsession with, I saw a TikTok where this guy did squat deadlift bench, uh, in 17 seconds and it was a thousand pounds. So just being able to go like hit a squat, hit a bench, hit a deadlift and have it be over a thousand pounds. So mm -hmm. that's probably some I'll chase, um, mid summer and like, see how quickly I can do that. Is that smart? Maybe not, but <laughs> it's, it's, it's a, something to, to chase um, you know, they got this thing called the super total which is like it, there's no time to it but it's like a, a competition so you've got powerlifting competition bench squat dead you've got olympic lifting snatch clean and jerk so like this super total thing is like now people are starting to compete in the same day deadlift bench squat snatch clean and jerk and to me i'm like god it's such a conflict of interest but you know, if anything, I've learned from the CrossFit community is like, I do a whole bunch of cool shit. You can run, you know, a six minute mile and then go snatch 300 pounds. So we can't really take that off the table. So, uh, yeah, smart or not, people do it. The human body is a beautiful thing. I'm sure you'll be just fine. Totally. And it's for me, it's it's challenging. Like a thousand pounds might not be a lot, but I'm, I'm like as slow twitch as they come. Like to be like, that was one of the first things my trainer in college said was, the first week we're learning power clean and I'm pretty sure I threw up the whole first week and I had the lowest numbers by far of the squat, any kind of clean. And she's like, clinging you're as slow twitch as I've ever seen. And like, part of me needs to get rid Thanks, of that coach. because you can train that. <laughs> yeah, you can train that. She also said you have the ability to be a freak, which is probably just more like build and, and maybe she was just trying to get me to work out harder. Yeah. Um, but I've, I've like bought into that where I'm like, oh, slow twitch. Sorry. It is what it is, guys. On the cards. Um, but anyway, so physically, physically, that's something that for me is just like it'd be a fun thing to to try and do and chase. I used to be able to hold a handstand for a minute, but I've had two concussions and two uh, neck sprains in like the last five years. It's been about a year since the last one, but now for me, like going upside down, like the family's going skiing this weekend, and I'm just like, man, like I don't know if that's that's worth doing, knowing that like I went surfing concussion there indoor soccer concussion there got rear-ended by a trolley in seattle sprained neck there uh, and then a basketball injury sprained neck and i'm just like action sports are like just maybe maybe pump the brakes a little bit uh but a minute handstand will be fun again and in regards to the business the thing that i'm really excited about is i've i've kind of pulled together this this online challenge called the mindful muscle eight week challenge where it has all the elements of like fitness and nutrition and I, I'm wrapping up this last week is, is the last week that I'll be doing this, but I'm trying to be like, all right, how can I add in all these other things that I believe in and make it part of how people get prizes, make it part of how people grow and see progress. So today I'll be, I'll be doing a talk on, on turning pro and I'm going to add a book club to it. And we're going to add, like, we, I'm going to have an assistant. She'll teach weekly yoga classes. We'll do, um, uh, 
some sort of like habit tracker around journaling and meditation, then having the weekly calls to be able to go in and talk through what I'm calling this like curriculum where every, every week is like training 101, nutrition 101, metabolism 101, and really trying to make it almost like school to where it's like, yeah, you're, you guys have your workout plans in your training app. You have your nutrition plans, you have your recipe books, but how can I educate you? And how can I like kind of what you're talking about earlier, like slide in the back door with some of these like deeper concepts. And for me, like that's a really cool way to get people exposed to what I do as a coach, which majority is online. And right now it is very much fitness and nutrition and I'll come back to it again, but I would love to in the future, create a program that is very much like, all right, we're going to try and embody like Yoda like qualities and embody Thor like qualities and expand on that spectrum as much as possible. So it's like, how can you do like a super intense meditative practice and then be able to go and change on your spectrum, like hammer out whatever workout you need to do, or just go be Thor like. And so that'll be something probably a few years down the road that I'll create, but that's really just like the lens of, of how I'm looking through everything. And I'm really excited because there's just so much opportunity. That's funny. You, you, when you mentioned like Yoda and Thor, I think of like this big Jack green thing floating in uh, the whole crisscross. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Basically just floating in the air and he's got a, like his hammer attached to his waistband and stuff like that. Uh, that's super funny. Um, okay, man. So one of my final questions I ask everybody is um, all centered around like, you know, I'm a big fan of being coached and being mentored. We're, you know, we're back to being mentored by the same person again. And, and some of the things that I've learned from people over the years and, and the different advices I've ever gotten have, you know, basically built me into who I am today and, and how I show up for people that I work with. So for you, like, what was some of the best advice that you've ever received? It could be one thing, it could be a couple things. Um, what was that thing that really, you know, helped to, for you to turn a few corners or to really change some big things in your own personal life or your business or your training or really anything? Yeah. First one that comes to mind is if you don't have time to meditate for 20 minutes, you need to meditate for an hour. <laughs> and the perspective there is if you're, if you have, if you've basically inflated your day, inflated your time with so many things that you can't find 20 minutes take a little bit more time to find out what really matters and what's really important. And we can all grab our phones, go and look at the usage and be like, Oh, wow, I found 20 minutes. And so just that perspective of like slowing down aligning and recognizing that you can go faster in a stream that's going the direction you want to go versus putting in five times the effort swimming up a river that's going the opposite direction. I think that's, that's really a big one for me that, just kind of helps again, like, cause I'm always trying to like do more, do more, do more. I think that's just our nature. It's like, how much can I take on? How much can I grow? How much better can I be? And just recognizing like, Hey, go and be really good in the things that are really important. Um, th- this one isn't necessarily a quote as much as I, I talked about Annie Frisella, but really like the, the turning point for me, one of the turning points was I read a, I read a, a caption that he had and he was like, as much as you want to pretend that you are not in the war and he was using an analogy of like animals where he's like, as much as you want to pretend that you're not in the war, like the bear will still eat you. So you can pretend that you can just go on by and that nothing bad is going to happen. You can just kind of like hide in the shadows, like the, the hierarchy or the, the, 
what is it the animal kingdom what do they call it the the food chain yeah, yeah. like still exists whether you want to believe it doesn't or not so it was like a lot of you guys are like gophers right now just like pretending that nothing really matters but like eventually a bear is going to come and eat you and you have the opportunity what's what's cool about humans first animals is we have the opportunity to change where we are in that food chain just in like the skills we we acquire the, the people meet we net, meet and network and working on ourselves like we have the ability to grow or fall up that food chain but for me like getting hit in the face with like and at the time i was very much like passive it's like i don't have to put in any work like it'll just happen and just being hit with the face like regardless of what perspective you have like a bear is going to come and eat you um i don't know for for whatever reason that that was a big one um that i, I try and take and it's, it can be applied to like regardless of whatever victim mentality that you're having like the world doesn't care and in like the nicest way possible like it'll life will still swallow you up whether you believe you're right or wrong I like that a lot. Uh, so, Paul, man, I appreciate your time today, dude. Um, go ahead and plug all the stuff that you have going on. Where can people learn more about you and find more information of what you got going on? Yeah, social media, Paul underscore Klingon podcast, Mindful Muscle podcast. I've started to move from a, a naming and a branding stuff all to that Mindful Muscle because that's much more like accurate of, of what I am. I still have like, the business and the website, Down Dog Athletics, uh, and the yoga stuff will always be a part of what got me to where I am today. But in terms of my approach, philosophy, and what I teach, a lot of it is, is the mindfulness mixed in with really the athletic approach and mindset. I've got the Mindful Muscle Challenge 2.0 going to launch on April 19th. And so it's a really good way to get a lot of education, but in a group atmosphere, in a group community. So I'm really excited about that and really just focusing on that. That's like the thing. And then from there, obviously coaching and, and continuing to, to grow and develop as an athlete, as a person, as a boyfriend, and maybe move to San Diego in July. That's the other thing that I'm like playing with is uh, maybe a little move, hopefully. Nice, man. Well, I appreciate you coming on the show and, uh, you know, we'll all sit back and watch what you got going on. Yep. Appreciate it, man. Thanks for having me on. Thank you so much for spending some time with me today and tuning into the Virtuous Fitness Podcast. I release episodes every single week. You can find me at Coach Cody Smith in the gym at Virtuous Fitness WA on Instagram to stay up to date with all things Virtuous Fitness. Before you go, head over to iTunes and give this show a rating review. That is how we grow this show and make it even more impactful for you. Thanks again for tuning in, and we'll see you on the next episode.